When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is June 18th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Joey Wentz yesterday, nine strikeouts, six innings, two and runs, two hits, one walk along the way, and you're wondering, oh, who's this guy? Should I be adding him to my fantasy baseball teams? <gasps> nah. He's fine. I mean, he's he kind of looks like a Cole Hamels type of the, your uh, your traditional nice wound up wind up lefty uh, with a changeup and some curves getting down and four seamers kind of going up and it worked. Twenty five percent CSW and fourteen whiffs. I feel like this is one of those games where it just kind of was as good as it's going to be. And I don't think that Wentz really is this good. I have this whole theory about foul balls as well. I wrote about it in the roundup. But essentially, when you see a lot of foul balls from a guy, this was 31 out of 107, which is a high percentage of foul balls, and I'm like 20% or something. What I think happens is it either takes away from balls in play or swing strikes. That is, a batter is swinging with the same frequency, but do they make contact for it to be in play, or are they getting contact where they normally wouldn't? And my theory is that it just takes away from the more common outcome. That is, guys who get lots of whiffs, things like Luis Castillo, if he has a lot of foul balls at night, that's just taking away from swing strikes. While if a guy like Joey Wentz gets foul balls, it's taking away from balls in play. And what that generally means is that you're going to see more strikeouts than usual on those days for guys who normally have the ball in play, because that means these at-bats that would normally be over are actually extended. While for Luis Castillo, that means it's going to be more balls in play because these games that would end in strikeouts are not. Does that make sense? Cool. So that's my theory. I probably need to take a moment to actually write this up. If somebody listening hears this and goes, huh, I'm going to look into this, please tweet me on uh, on Twitter about it. If you write like a Medium blog post, I will 100% retweet that and everything about it. I'm Alex Chamberlain and Alex Fast and I have all really... Th- talked about how foul balls keep us up at night. And to me, this is the solution to the noise that is foul balls. But anyway, Joey Wentz, moving forward, it's possible he has this command and is able to be this Bleak Snell blueprint kind of guy in the future. I think it was just one of those weird nights and you should not lean into it. Looking forward to the rest of yesterday from uh, from the SP Roundup. I shouldn't have said forward. It's fine. We're looking backward so we can talk about looking forward to our fantasy teams. Okay, Blake Snell against the Rays got the win. Six innings, zero runs to its three walks and 12 Ks. The second straight start, he got 12 Ks, especially when he was facing these two horrible matchups. That is Coors Field and the Rays. What do you know? 23 whiffs, 41% CSW for a golden goal for Blake Snell. And this was a much better one than the previous one. I was very cautious with that rocky start, but this was much better with his curveballs going 48% CSW. We got seven slider whiffs, which is great. 50% CSW in the changeup. It was precise on that changeup. And it's kind of funny. I'm going to find something that I still find negative, surprisingly. It's not like the oh my gosh, party from Blake Snell, which is wild because everything was so good, is the fastball being kind of chaotic. And Blake Snell's four-seamer at times has, like, the most rise. It's really remarkable. 
And that only happens really when it gets in the top half. And there were a lot of times I remember watching this and feeling like, oh, where is where is that fastball location, right? That shouldn't be down, it should be up. But he did so well with this curveball, so well with this changeup. His sliders were not bounced consistently. I mean, sure, he did have some, but still they were much better. And this is very, very encouraging for Blake Snell. It's It still feels bubbly, and that's the term I'm, free, I'm using for, like, not concrete, but it's... It's very exciting and, and uh, you know, it could be that magma that turns into rock. That's what I'm going for there. Um, as it's the middle of June, and if you want to believe in second half Snell, well, we're still a month away from that, right? Uh, hopefully Snell is developing that consistency we want to see with that curveball and that slider that allows him to then find the last missing piece, which is that fastball command. Alex Wood against the Dodgers did exceptionally well. Five innings of zeroed runs across 67 pitches for the win. Really surprising to see that. It was a clear still ill against the Dodgers, and he had fewer than 70 pitches, but still made it worthwhile. But now against the Padres, you don't want to do this. Nothing exceptional here. Wade Miley, 77 pitches coming back from the IL. We had three guys, I think, have still ills in this one. Two of them came through. It's Actually, three of them did. Uh, there might have been a fourth. Uh, anyway, Wade Miley against the Pirates was one of them. Got the win, five innings, 200 runs, two hits, two walks, four Ks. He did a really good job with his command. It was cutters, a glove side, and changeups. Arm side. It's what you always want to see. And now he gets the Guardians. And now they threw 77 pitches. It could be 85 to 90. And yeah, that could kind of work as a streaming option. Christopher Sanchez did four innings against the Oakland Athletics of shutout ball. Uh, but yeah, it was Athletics. And the Phils really just wanted him to open. And he happened to go four innings on 61 pitches. Nice. Great. You don't want to do this. Jose de Leon opened for a, um, a Tigers bullpen game. No interest there. Braxton Garrett is still cruising. If you picked him up back when we noticed the cutter change, you would have been soaring for the past month now. And he gets the Pirates next. Like, everything is great. Uh, Bryce Elder, he had a bad start against a good matchup. That is the Nationals last time out. We were wondering, you know what? We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He gets a Vargas Rule Plus for two starts in a row. And now he got Rocky Road and came through. Got the win, six innings, one run, four hits, zero walks, four Ks. So we hold on to Bryce Elder. It's at Cincinnati, which as I understand, contentious. But then it's the Twins, and then it's the Guardians. I feel like you got to hold. James Caprillion against the Phillies. This is an interesting one. It was 5.1 innings, one run, four, five hits, zero walks, and six Ks. Why is it interesting? Because Caprillion was down over a tick on everything. It was like 1.3, 1.5. However, his command was as good as I've seen it all year. Four seamers were truly upper half and competitive, while the rest of his second stuff, secondary stuff was all inside the zone. That, if if you talk to any pitching coach, I mean, for the most part, not, not like the Nationals, but, or the Rockies, whatever. If you talk to the majority of pitching specialists or coaches, they will say, if you can do that, if you can throw secondary pitches for strikes and fastballs elevated, you will have success in the majors. And if James Capelli can do this with consistency, that's great. I don't know if... This is something that we can believe in. I, I don't really believe buy the whole thing of like, oh, just throw softer and you'll have better locations. I don't actually believe that because pitchers are trained at a certain speed. And that means that you are calibrated to command at a certain speed. And if you lower that speed down, then the command doesn't just get better. It doesn't really work like that. Maybe it does for James Caprillian. It's something to monitor on both sides. The velocity is still going to be down. And is the command going to be there? If the command is be there, it's more important than the, than the velocity here for Caprillian. Jake Irvin did well against the Marlins. Happy for him. He got 16 called strikes and sinkers and just two whiffs in the night as the Marlins were just like, you know what? What is swinging? I'm uh, not going to continue that phrase. 
Tommy Henry against the Guardians. Six innings, two earned runs, seven hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. A near very poor quality start for Tommy Henry. But to note here, this is the second straight start they've seen really good sliders from him. And he does get the Nationals next, who are better against the lefties. But if Tommy Henry has a good slider, that is a really good nullifier um, if he's able to actually get that down and into those right-handed hitters. So something to consider here. Um, Tommy Henry has a deep streaming option later this week. Hunter Green against the Astros. I was really hoping he would continue this really nice stretch that he's been on. Six innings and got the win. Two earned runs. This is great. Five hits, four walks, three Ks. The fastball went 16% CSW with just three out of 63 fastball whiffs. That is startling. And I know it's the Astros, but still, that is really, really shocking and, I don't know, anxiety-riddled. Right? I I hope that Hunter Green can still dominate with four seamers. You kind of need to if you're Hunter Green. It was good sliders, don't get me wrong. Um, it feels like we're just going to be lost in this purgatory of Hunter Green the entire year where he's going to have enough of the good moments to make you hold on. Um, and you're not going to regret that you did. It's just a true breakout for Hunter Green. Feels like, I feel like we're just going to have to battle this all year. He, you know, watch all of the second half. It's just going to be like, oh, well, Hunter Green's a top 20 player next year. I'm just be like, I don't buy it. <laughs> That's going to be me. Griffin Canning against the Royals was our stream pick of the day because I think Braxton Garrett was finally above 20% rostered. If not, that's insane to me. But Griffin Canning, six innings, two earned runs, three hits, two walks, and five Ks against the Royals. 17 whiffs, 32% CSW. You love to see it. Uh, 13 whiffs between his changeup and slider. That's a really good thing. Too bad he gets cores next. Um, but otherwise, I would be still going with Griffin Canning. Otherwise, you can leave on the wire and then pick him up when the next good start happens. I believe he doesn't get another good one until after the All-Star break, unfortunately, because it is a uh, six-man rotation in in Los Angeles, which means he's got to wait like 18 days, and that's that. Uh, we're going to talk about everybody else, including this good Dane Dunning start, and Justin Steele coming back, and uh, Logan Gilbert, and Adam Wainwright, and Kyle Gibson, and so on and so forth. All of those after this break. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. Dang Dunning went against the Jays and came through for a win. One out of 20, 21 CSW on the sinker is what? But the cutter and slider were good enough to make this work. It gets the Yankees next. I don't really like it. But hey, we know that it can work, right? Two hundred runs, six hits, one walk, three Ks, and six innings. Like, we recognize that there is a possibility. It's just, I don't want to take the chance. Zach Eflin against the Padres did well. Six innings, two and runs, four hits, two walks, five Ks. He got the loss because it was against Snell. You just keep starting him. The Padres have been a really good offense, so uh, don't underrate that fact here. Logan Gilbert against the White Sox didn't really come through the way that we wanted to. 5.1 innings, two and runs, six hits, three walks, three Ks. But as we know, the slider did well. Uh, that's just what happens as a right-hander against the White Sox. Sliders do really, really well. 
so it stepped up to over 40% CSW. That said, the splitter went just two for nine CSW. They're both whiffs, but that's not consistent. And the four-seamer was 7% CSW. What? This is Logan Gilbert we're talking about here. That's, that's very strange. Um, it's good to see that the slider did come through. It's just, can you get that fastball back? Cool. I feel like he's been kind of off the past couple starts or so. And Logan Gilbert will recalibrate it. That's what they do. Justin Steele against the Orioles won five innings, two earned runs, five hits, one walk, and four strikeouts across 74 pitches. That's important to note because now he'll be over 80. In the next one is he gets the Cardinals, and I feel like that should be good. Lucas Giolito against the Mariners, five innings, two earned runs, eight hits, three walks, and five Ks. The fastball and slider got walloped inside the zone. Even though he didn't have the best change as far as the locations, those worked. Um, it was just really, yeah, the middle fastballs and sliders. Just, hey, cool, we'll hit those. Uh, you just keep starting, Giolito. Sorry for the 2.6 whip, which is just ridiculous. Uh, Adam Wainwright against the Mets got a win across a very poor quality start of 6.1 innings, three earned runs, seven hits, two walks. Fine, one extra out over a very poor quality start and three strikeouts. This is like the best you can hope for from Wainwright these days. So, yeah, that's not a good thing to be saying. Kyle Gibson against the Cubs came through six innings of 300 runs, three hits, two walks, and seven Ks. It's better, you know, the ERA isn't great, but... And you didn't get a win. We've seen a lot worse from Kyle Gibson here. So we're happy with it. Uh, it's the Mariners. And that's that's my answer. Kyle Gibson is very much a shrug and a coin flip. Trevor Richards and Bowden Francis are piggybacking for the Jays in that rotation spot uh, for Alec Manoa. I, I don't know if they're going to lean on Bowden to take over eventually. Regardless, you don't want to touch either one of those. Kudai Senga didn't really have his forkball. He did get four whiffs on it, but it really wasn't a major thing. And it's good to see Senga come through with an 8 over 1 K per walk ratio here. That is, it was 6.2 innings of four and runs, five hits, one walk, eight Ks. I don't think this start is the showcase of, a hey, Senga can be good without it. I mean, it was four and runs. Uh, it is four seamers up and cutters as well, kind of. I mean, four seamers and cutters are very much in the zone and the slider underneath it. That's what Senga's trying to do without the forkball. Um, the forkball, I think, was like 22 of them throw over four whiffs, which isn't the worst ratio ever. It's just you need that pitch to really be the nullifier. Be like the, hey, you can't touch anything else because my forkball is so good. You don't know if that's going to happen. And Senga isn't that right now. It, it's I just don't want to do it. He's a cherry bomb. Mitch Keller is looking killer. Mitch Keller is looking like a cherry bomb again. Five innings, four runs, five hits, three walks, seven Ks. Ugh, against the Brewers. Thing is, though, he has 30 plus percent CSW on the four-seamer and cutter here with 11 whiffs on 52 between them. I mean, that's that's like a 20% swing strike rate. That's really good. So I just feel like he's, it's weird. He got really lucky earlier on, but then he deserved a lot of the success. And now I feel like he's getting a little unlucky and he deserves more success than he's getting. It feels strange. So it's always been strange with Mitch Keller. Um... So, yeah, I'll put it this way. He's not an absolute ace, but he's better than this one. Okay, cool. Brandon Bilek against the Reds, 4.2 innings, 400 runs. He had his changeup, but that's all he had. And unfortunately, he didn't come through. Five hits, three walks, three Ks. You guess the Dodgers next. Brandon Bilek should not be the guy you should go after. Shane Bieber is not the strikeout guy you want him to be. He wasn't before. Even though he got nine strikeouts, it was just five slider whiffs. And what do you know? In this one, it was three slider whiffs. With 14% CSW, thus 7.1 innings of 5 earned runs, 7 hits, 2 walks, 5 Ks. Now, with 7.1 innings, he still can kind of go somewhat deep, but it's you should be selling Shane Bieber if you can get something solid for it. Like, if you have your outfield, like, oh man, I cannot fill that third outfield spot, and someone's like, hey, I'll give you this really good, like, essentially outfield two for that, 
yeah, you take that for Shane Bieber. That's that's kind of what I would be doing in uh, in my leagues. Mike Myers against the Angels did not come through, and yeah, that's you shouldn't really be doing that. Same with Connor Siebold against the Atlanta Braves. And Bobby Miller, 5.2 innings, 700 runs, 7 hits, 3 walks, and 5 Ks. So this is a startling, jostling, or disturbing start for you. I understand. Jolting, that's the word I'm looking for. Three innings were great. I watched this. Uh, actually, I think it was four innings. I wrote three. I think it was four. Uh, and then the fifth inning is where he allowed, uh, I believe, those foreign runs, um, including a three-run shot on a curveball down and in to Lamonte Wade at OO, which is normally free real estate. But it's actually the importance of free real estate being not breaking balls inside. Uh, it's a lot more easy to drop the barrel on those. It's a lot easier to. You just want to make it away or, or, uh, or outside. But anyway, Bobby Miller... You know, he didn't have fastball command at times. Like, he hit guys with it. I saw too many fastballs running too far in on on right-handers, like, too far off the plate at times. Um, and, you know, and then the slider was, like, a little bit off, but Bobby Miller did actually really well for a bit, and then he didn't really for a couple innings, and also things didn't go his way. Two were there were two Brandon Crawford hits, Crawford hits that were absolute flares. One of them, the second baseman, was, um, was infield in because it was still a tie game. And it landed just outside of the infield dirt, like this little weak flare. And then the other one was off the end of the bat that was because the outfield was back too far um, and landed in front of him. And it's like, these are not good hits. Uh, so that's the way I see it with Bobby Miller. Like, he didn't get crushed. It looks like he got crushed. He didn't get crushed. Um, and Bobby Miller is still really, really, really good. If someone sees and goes, oh, this is, these are the prospects. It's just like Bryce. He got, he's really good. Now he's just really bad. As they, They've... Found the book on him. Like, no. Bobby Miller is still super, super good. And you should absolutely take advantage of that manager if he's trying to sell uh, Bobby Miller. Looking forward to today and tomorrow's games. I know uh, weekends, it's harder for me to get these out. I apologize, but I hope it's still really nice to reflect and be able to say, look, I'm on top of all the pitchers. and know what's going on. Not to mention, I get this article out earlier than this podcast, like hours beforehand, because I know it pertains to today and it's more important. So... Zach Wheeler, Freddie Peralta, Bryce Miller, Jesus Lazardo, Logan Webb—all all the stuff's on the site from yesterday. Everything's the same. I just had to add in Brian Bayo and Clark Schmidt, and they're at the bottom of the probable start tier, underneath the what we talked about yesterday—the four really good pitchers with rough matchups, as Joe Musgrove, John Gray, Chris Bass, and Luis Severino. I know this stuff has already started, so I don't. I'm just kind of breezing through it right now. Um, nothing really to note. And I feel like because it's honestly 3.30, we're just going to move on. If you have any questions about specific starts here, I think the interesting ones, if you're really looking for something desperate, and I don't know if they're starting yet, uh, you could maybe chase Renal Blanco against the Reds, but I don't really want to do that. Uh, really all the bottom tier, I'm like, absolutely not. Carlos Carrasco shouldn't be overlooked against the Cardinals necessarily. Uh, Jameson Tyone against Dean Kramer is a very interesting one. I feel like one of those will come through in the questionable start tier for you. Um, and Tyler Anderson, I mean, he's already going though, but I like that as a stream. I'm streaming him in the Legacy League. Okay. Tomorrow's starting pitchers. Here we go. Corbin Burns, uh, Pablo Lopez, James Paxson is going tomorrow, not today. So keep that in mind. Make sure he's in your lineup tomorrow. If you're like, wait, what happened today? Because of the doubleheader, or at least actually I think before he was even a doubleheader, they decided to push him back one more day. A little extra rest. It makes sense. Happens all the time. Uh, Corbin Burns, Pablo Lopez, James Paxton, Max Scherzer, Hunter Brown, Merrill Kelly, and Michael Walker. Yes, Michael Walker. Are you not going to start him after eight straight amazing outings against the Giants? Like, 
Yeah, you're going to do that. We all know this. So start him. Same with Merrill Kelly against the Brewers. The probable start tier, Jose Brios against Miami. I feel like that is an auto start, but he did get kind of messed up last time. And then the uh, the the Washingtons are going to see Jack Flaherty. And yeah, I think you're going to start him too. Uh, questionable start tier, it's Andrew Heaney against the White Sox. I'm a little, I don't know uh, if I want to do that one. I kind of just want to not deal with Andrew Heaney whatsoever. And the lefties have a harder time against uh, the White Sox than the righties. Reese Olsen is my reluctant streaming pick of the day against the Royals, as I don't think the Royals are very good. And Reese Olsen's actually kind of good. Don't let that Atlanta start really foul your perception of him. Well, there's also Drew Smiley against Pittsburgh. Maybe a little bit safer. I'm just waiting for that curveball to stay more consistently down than it has been as of late. In the do not start tier, there are guys that you already know, like Josiah Gray and Anthony Descafani, and I don't really want to start them. Josiah Gray, I know he's going against the cold Cardinals, but... Man, they are not, I don't know, the, the stuff in Josiah Gray's arsenal is really weird. He's trying a new fastball here with a sinker that I just don't think is the answer. I don't want to touch that. And Anthony Descafani's fastballs have been all over the place. I don't think there's enough here against the Padres. Brandon Williamson is actually a little bit tempting because he could get cutters inside to the Rocky Road hitters. That might work, but it is also in the Great American Small Park. I just think Williamson isn't that good, so I don't want to do it. As well, though, Bido could also come through against the Cubs. I'm not going to rule that out, but I don't really think, again, that he does too much either. Jordan Lyles is the worst pitcher in baseball, according to qualified ERA. Even though it gets the Tigers, you don't want to do that. Uh, Austin Gomber, Jesse Schultens, and Brian Hoeing are the other ones here. I just have no interest in those. All right, that is it for today. Good luck with everything. And actually, we have a very exciting thing this Wednesday. I haven't announced this at all anywhere. We are going to be doing a live broadcast uh, via playback.tv Wednesday night for the Phillies and the Braves game. That is Aaron Nola against AJ Smith Shaver. I'm going to be an announcer for it, and you can watch the game. If you're able to watch it via MLB.tv or your cable provider, we would all do a, we all do a watch party. It's essentially Twitch for live sports. I am so excited about this. I'll be going live at 6:30 p.m. Eastern time. I'll be promoting it on Twitter, promoting on the site. And you just come on by and let's watch this game together. Also, I will be bringing on people from chat onto the stream as well to give their two cents as it's happening. I can't wait for this. I hope to see all of you there. Um, and I'll have more details about it later this week. Um, but very, very exciting stuff. But all right, that's it for today. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.